Welcome in everybody to Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host this evening, John Harris, and we're kicking it off with the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, long time no talk. How are you? Yeah, Johnny, we talked this morning. We'll talk again this evening. We'll talk again tomorrow, but we're going to do a lot of talking here. But that's what we do yeah. as this team gets closer to the regular season. And what a busy week, Johnny. I mean, they, they have smoke. so much to do in terms of prep for New England, getting down to the 53, and, oh, yeah, playing a game with the Cowboys. And you do need to play that game. You will have to field a team Thursday night against Dallas. Yeah, the this week, I said, I said last week, this is one of my favorite weeks Yet it's one of the most stressful weeks. Yeah. Team luncheon tomorrow. Yeah. You've got the game Thursday against the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Right. And because it's Dallas, it adds a little bit to it, I suppose. Saturday, then you got the the cuts start to happen, so you're starting to wheel, uh, uh, whittle it down to 53. Then you got Advocate Texas kickoff. Mm-hmm. Then on Monday you start prep for New England with your 53 man roster. It's it's a lot going on. Hey, the team lunch is stressful for me, okay? I know it is. I'm seeing it, and Vanderkid's doing live kid reporter, <gasps> and i got to prep him on that. Oh, man. Yeah, so this is a little stressful for me. He won't freeze up live, though. He's no, good. he's not going to freeze he's up, good. but I'm going to be on the mic as a sort of net, if you will. Yeah. Well, because, you know, I'll have a little filter. comments to throw in, mm-hmm. and I'll evaluate as we go along his performance. <laughs> <laughs> Poor kid. <laughs> no, he'll be fine. We are going to talk 53-man roster in just a second. We've also got Justin Reed coming up on the show. We have also got a Dirty Dozen with Ryan Griffin. And if you missed some good conversation this morning with Spencer Tillman and Andre Ware, we have that for you as well. Mark, we, you and I, on air, off air, we talk about the 53-man roster a good deal. Mm-hmm. I find my conversations with Brian Game before the game – off the air, on the air with him, and you, you and I at uh, training camp, he would often bring up the 46-man roster. So sometimes it's almost, when you look at the 53, you almost got to think, okay, well, what about the 46 as well? But let's yeah. focus on the 53-man roster. We talked about in the broadcast the other day, I said wide receiver is the most difficult cut. Yeah. What, at that point, beyond wide receiver, because I think you agree with me on that, mm-hmm. at that point, mm-hmm. what's the most difficult Cut either player or position in your mind. Uh, I think the most difficult cut. Well, there are some names you know that are not going to be on this football team. Right. And I think on the D-line, you've got one cut in particular that's going to be tough because I don't have them keeping more than six. And in this argument, Clowney is not a defensive line when he's right. an outside linebacker. So I'm going to go with Watt, Reeder, and Covington up front. And then I've got... Brandon Dunn. Mm-hmm. I have Angelo Blackson making the team along with Joel Heath. I think I it's going to be tough for Carlos Watkins. Yep. But we'll see how that goes. Maybe he does make it. Maybe it's all okay for him. Uh, and I don't know how they rate these things. And, you know, if there's a tie, we go with this guy versus right. that guy. But I think if there's six, those might be the six. As Angelo Blackson, look, you evaluate, evaluate these things a lot closer than I do. But he's made plays. Like, yep. I've called his name a yes. lot. So there you have it. That's a Listen, I know sometimes I'll get in the nitty-gritty of the film. Oh, his hands are here or this or that. But sometimes it's as simple as that. Yeah. It's as simple as name. has a guy made plays. And not just in, in games, but in practice, too. Mm-hmm. Has a guy made plays? Has he went and found the football? Has he made a stop? Has he gotten off a block and gotten penetration in practice as well? Has he flashed? Yes. Sometimes that's the determining factor. You bring up a good point, Mark. And that is whenever – and you and I aren't the only ones to sit down and do a 53-man roster. Our buddy Wexy put one together. Yep. Patty Stapp puts one together. A lot of people in the media try and come up with one. John McClain always does. 
everybody's trying to come up with what they think is a 53-man roster. And sometimes it's not just some, it's not just to say, hey, look how many I got right. I think it's a really good talking point to see what this roster is going to end up being. Yeah. But I'm curious, and I would be curious, and we'll never know, what's the deciding factor? And here's where, I, here's where I'm going with that. Carlos Watkins has been here for a year. So he's got one year of service. He still has, I believe, practice squad eligibility. You might so be able to get him on, sneak do you, him through. Do you take a chance that we're going to be able to sneak him through to the practice squad? Because you know those guys up front get beat up. I mean, we saw DJ right. Reader at the end of last year. I mean, he was. I mean, he could barely walk from point A to point B because of the double teams. And, mm-hmm. I mean, 600 pounds every single play he's having to deal with. So you definitely have got to have some depth. You added Angelo Blackson during the year last year. Mm-hmm. So from that standpoint, I could, I could see – them looking at it from that perspective, say, okay, does he have practice squad eligibility? Do right. we want to take a chance? If now, it's got. A, I don't know if that's the, the overall deciding factor. I wouldn't think it. I would imagine they want the best six or best seven. How many of they're going to carry? The other deciding factor there is Clowney can bump down the defensive line if you need him to. And the other aspect is you may, and because you're playing nickel a lot and dime some. You only have four defensive linemen on the field. At times, you only have two or three, right. depending on what you're going to – you know, four guys down, I should say. Sometimes you only have two on the field at that point. That's why I'm only keeping six. Yeah. Only six. That's why I'm keeping six. Yeah. But when I go to linebacker, outside I've got four. I've got Clowney and Merciless and Brennan Scarlett and Duke Ejiofor. Yep. And that's all I'm going to keep, really. Okay. So, Kalambayi? I think I might try to sneak him out of the practice squad, but I might have room for him, Johnny, and you got to determine this one for okay. me. Because that inside linebacker, of course, I've got Bernardrick McKinney and Zach Cunningham and Dylan Cole, and I also have me, well, Brian Peters is going to make the team because yep. he's a great special teams player. Exactly. You can fill in at inside linebacker. And I think Josh Kyes is going to be on this football team somehow. I think he sneaks on as a special teamer. I might sit him down on game day, but I want to keep him around. I want to. I know he's a veteran. He's had his chances, but maybe the light's finally going on or whatever. Yeah. But I think I'm going to keep him on my team. And then, you know, so now it becomes, all right, is Calabai going to be on the team or I'm going to try to sneak him through onto the practice squad? Will somebody pick him up along the way? I just drafted him, so I do feel a sort of attachment to him. Right. And rightfully so. You make an investment of a draft choice in a guy and you yeah. see a, a ceiling and you want to give him a chance to hit that ceiling for you. So it's a tough call right there. But I have other areas as well where there's an either-or between two position groups. Yeah. A lot of that is determined by special teams, as you said. And that's the one thing about the 53-man rosters. A lot of times you're comparing this linebacker to that wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And, or you're comparing that safety to do we keep another safety or do we keep another offensive lineman. And then you're comparing an offensive lineman to safety. And it feels like it's apples to oranges. But in some sense, they have to be apples to apples to try and get some sort of comparison of, okay, well, if we don't keep alignment here, we keep an extra safety. We need an extra safety. So it, it's a it's interesting you bring it up with Kais and with Kalambai. Here's the thing that I I thought, just a wild hair in my brain, this is kind of the way that I think because I have some of these sometimes, and this comes from many years of, in coaching high school, I've got to, you've got to think this way. You've got to look at players and go, well, that guy can play both sides of the ball or I need him to play a different position. So you're automatically thinking that way. I thought maybe with Kalambayi, because of his size, because of the way he can move, and maybe because of a backlog, especially if Ejifor is what we think he's going to be, that maybe Kalambayi would transition inside. And maybe they would try and use him as a guy that could play behind McKinney that has the same size, similar size and has the athleticism because he draw, he did a lot of things at Stanford. I thought 
maybe they'd try and do that. And I even thought that before they got to the Texans. I right. thought maybe that Callum Bayou might be a guy that could transition inside, play some inside, kind of be an inside-outside, depending, four three three four nickel, whatever. He could be an inside guy or he could be an outside guy. That would give him a lot of versatility. Didn't see them do that with him in training camp. Maybe that's something down the road. Maybe you can get him on practice squad and maybe something they think about. Who knows? Or maybe but, they just flat out keep him. But, Johnny, when they drafted Kalambai and Ejiofor, they knew that they had five outside linebackers projected, right? Right. right. Because Brennan Scarlett, they know he's good. They know right. that he could do some things for them. So they knew it would come to this. Right. Do we keep five no or not if everybody's healthy? And here we are. It's We're at the wire now. Right. Are you going to do it or not? So it's a tough decision, but they knew this decision was coming. So if you keep four outside linebackers and six D linemen. Yeah. See, I think I think that's kind of the way I look at it. I'm mm-hmm. keeping ten front seven guys. Yeah. Is that the right way of saying it? Yeah. Fr- yeah ten that's front exact- seven guys. Well, that's exactly – well, hang on a second, though. All right, so I got six, four, all right, and – oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, then at my inside linebacker spots, I'm going to keep five, like I said. Okay. Let's move on to the secondary now. Okay, so you're c- keeping five on the inside. Yeah, you did that. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And at corner – I'm going to keep five cornerbacks because Kayvon Webster's on the team now. I don't know right. if he's going to be ready, but it should be pretty soon. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done it. And then you've got Andre Sachere. By the way, we found out that we've been saying his name maybe incorrectly. And by maybe, I mean Drew Doherty found out from the source. <laughs> he went right to Andre. Andre Sachere. <laughs> And you've got the other three, of course. You've got Aaron Colvin, Jonathan Joseph, and Kevin Johnson. Those are your corners, your five cornerbacks. And at safety, I also have... Five safeties. Ooh, interesting. So you've gone with Tyron Matthew, Kareem Jackson, Justin mm-hmm. Reed. Right. And I kept Curtis Drummond. Okay, okay, good. And you kept Corey, Corey Moore. Moore. I'm going to keep Corey Moore. Okay. Now, of course, one of those two is going to be inactive on game day in right. a 46-man situation. But right. I'm still going to keep him on my football team. Now, if another safety comes along, I can make a cut if I need to. Or if somebody gets waived sure. that I really like better than one of those guys. Drummond seems to have made plays. I don't know. By my layman's eye, Here's, I've called his name a few times. I feel like the first week, Corey Moore had definitely, when I did the very first iteration of my 53, mm-hmm. Corey Moore was definitely in that mix. Mm-hmm. Definitely in that mix. And Curtis was not. But from that point, almost literally from the point I put that together going forward, the last two, two and a half weeks, Curtis has made a lot. He's made a lot of plays. Corey's made a few as well. So it's not as if Corey's fallen off. I think Curtis has just played that much better. I was curious to see what you would do in the secondary. So how many defensive players does that give you overall? Does 25. That give you 25. Okay, that's what I figured. Okay. So I'm going to go 25 on offense for you here. Okay. And this is pretty good. I got three quarterbacks and four running backs now. Because so you're keeping three quarterbacks. I'm, I'm definitely keeping three okay. quarterbacks. Don't All get right. me started. We've been over this. I know, this. I know. I'm I keeping three quarterbacks. Joe Webb is on would. my team. Okay. Okay, and I'm going to keep four running backs because I have the uh, – let's go right to the offensive line here because I have my starting five and I'm going to keep nine O-linemen. Right after that, and there's a tough cut coming. Yep. Because right after that, I've got Kendall Lamb. Okay. Martinez Rankin. Seven. Greg Mance. Those are locks. Eight. Those are locks right now, especially with Lamb, graded well by Pro Football Focus and others, playing well, light going on for him. Yes. And surprise, I'm going to keep David Quesenberry on the team. He's my ninth guy. Okay. That means Fuller might not make it, right? I mean, Slade may not make it. 
Well, and I know that those guys can do a lot of things, but so can Rankin and Rankin Arrow True. going up. I just drafted him third round. He looked pretty good on Saturday. I want to see him more. But you know what? I'm going to go take my shot with Rankin over some other people that I could do that with, and I'm, I'm going to keep nine, and I'm going to try to get Fuller back here on the practice squad. Okay, so let me throw this at you. This yep. is, this Actually, I'm glad this kind of worked out because it goes back to our discussion earlier. I, just, I literally did not know you were going there, so I said offensive line versus safety. And that's kind of what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Because would you keep Corey Moore? Or an extra O-lineman. Or Chad Slade. Yeah, that's And I bring great... up Slade because Slade can play guard and tackle. Yeah. And they might go ahead and do that. They might go ahead and do that. And they that. might, but the flip side of that is Corey can play safety, but he also, you know you're getting him on all four special teams. Yeah. But you're not going to get that with Slade. You might get him on field goal team, maybe. But... You're not going to get Slade on all the special teams, but you would with Corey Moore. And so here's the, here's the other thing, though. It makes Corey it Moore's, so tough. He started nine games for me two years ago. He right. started a couple of games for me last year. You know, right. Corey Moore's played a bunch. Slade really hasn't played a ton for me yet. No. So I, but I, I don't know what that means in this conversation. But I'll go to the tight ends. It's now three. I haven't seen Steven Anderson in a while because I think he's, yeah, he's banged been out up. of practice. He's banged up. So yeah. you get the three tight ends because I'm not going four. Giovanni Robinson, I'm going to get back on the practice squad. Yeah. And Matt Lengel, I like him, but. I've got guys I drafted in front of him. I've got Ryan Griffin. I'm going to keep three tight ends. Now, yeah. I might end up really regretting this one because of what happened last year, but I'm going to go ahead and take my chances. Well, you got fi- listen, you got 53 men. I mean, that's all you've got. It's yeah. not as if you can, you know, you can't, well, we're going to stash four guys mm-hmm. over here. I mean, you, you have to. I think that's that's what I would do at tight end as well if I kept the. F- now, here's the thing. If mm-hmm. I decided to keep four tight ends, right? part of it would be whether Stevens healthy or not and I and he's missed some practice so I so I don't know if he's fully healthy or not but the but at that point I would keep Lengel obviously because I don't know Steven's health but if Steven's fully healthy right. and Lengel's fully healthy which do I get more bank for my buck with you know you what know am, in the passing game Steven Anderson's reliable but what you am I running that. more I don't know what I'm running more do I am I running stuff with Lengel a Lengel type more than a Steven Anderson type you're gonna run know. the new newfangled Bill O'Brien slash Deshaun Watson yeah flippity dippity do offense the that we saw flop. a little bit more in Seattle who are you uh, keeping uh wide receiver by the way I'm definitely keeping six yeah I think keep six because at the end you know I got I got Hopkins obviously and I've got uh Will Fuller, I have Kiki QT, Ellington, Sammy Coates, and then, okay, now I'm already up to five right there. Mm-hmm. So who am I going to let go of? Jester Wea, who they like, mm-hmm. Vincent Smith, who they like, Braxton Miller. I don't know what they think of him at this point, but he's their leading receiver through the preseason. He's made some plays, there's no doubt. But I'm going to go ahead and say it's one of those guys and maybe Vincent Smith. If I have to select today, it might be him because – Arrow going up. Now, I know it's going up on Miller as well. Maybe right. the light's really going on for him, but it's year three. I'm looking at Vincent Smith coming in here as an undrafted rookie and making all kinds of plays. Now, I know the competition, whatever, but yep. maybe maybe it's going on for him. Or maybe Wea is the guy. Maybe Wea is a great route runner. We don't see certain things that they see. Yep. And, my gosh, he knows everything. And he's really big and skilled, so maybe they decide to keep him. They don't want to take the chance of losing a player like that. But that wild card sixth position, because Coach is a lock to me, that's going to be interesting, yeah, and I'll have Smith making it right now today. Okay. Mm-hmm. You got 30 seconds. Yeah. Who's your punter? Oh, boy. Look, if, gun to my head, I would err on the side of Leckler. Yeah. Because, hey, <laughs> I got Shane Leckler. Right. I mean, and, I, and I want to win now. I want to win this year. Right. I know I get Trevor Daniel for the rest of his life, maybe, the rest of his football life, and maybe Leckler's football life isn't going to last that long, but – 
I'd rather err on the side of Leckler. Now, if they keep Daniels because they see such ability, and he looks really good, Johnny. So He hits rockets. Look, he does. He does. So I guess that's the bold move here. And I can't fault them if they do that. I mean, it takes big stones to do that. By the way, four running backs. I got Tyler Irvin making it because if I get 25 offensive players, I have So you don't him. have a fullback on there? No fullback. That's the big headline here. Because And look, I like Jay, and I think they like Jay on special teams especially, right. but they're not running much stuff with the fullback right, right now. Maybe they have a bunch of stuff up their sleeve, but they didn't run much with the fullback in the Savage offense. Right. With the Watson offense, I don't see much at all. They're not going to go straight eye. They're not going to go offset. When they go offset, it's going to be a tight end at fullback, and they're going to put him in motion or do something funky with him. Yeah, I think I think of the focal points, that's that's going to be one for me uh, when it comes to the 53-man roster is what, what happens with Jay. Yeah. Uh, listen, I would love to have a fullback, but – in a, in a 53-man situation, that might be a casualty. It, it might have it'll to be. It'll be a tough one, but it might have to happen. And it'll be fun to watch. That's why Friday you want to be following the Houston Texans, and we'll be live Friday night to talk about it. Absolutely. Mark, appreciate it. Thanks, Johnny. Coming up next, J. Joe, Ryan Griffin, and Justin Reed right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to Texans All Access on this Monday evening from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. The Texans made it official earlier today. They have signed Kayvon Webster, a corner who played last year with the L.A. Rams, had been with the Broncos. He'd been around a little bit, 5'11", 190 to come in and bolster that cornerback position. Obviously a corresponding move. Then they had to release somebody, Marcus Hardison, unfortunately, was the man released at this particular point. Doesn't mean he can't bring Marcus back at some point, but going with Kayvon Webster at corner, I think, was something the Texans definitely had to do. Now, speaking of corner, let's start this segment talking with Jonathan Joseph. Mark Vandermeer caught up with Jay Joe after practice today. Microphone. I got you. <laughs> J, J, O, E, the number six, S, C, at yahoo.com. That's what it is. J. Joe Six, South Carolina. College All right, wait, 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 wait. Hang on, hang on. Just a couple of quick comments, okay? Cool. All right, here we go. Jonathan Joseph. So tell me something. Versatility in the secondary. It seems like you guys can do a lot back there. A lot of mixing and matching. Yeah, everybody seems you know to be able to be moving parts, man. I think now you look in this league, it's a passing league, you know. So the more guys can do, the more valuable you are to a team. So guys are being able to be interchangeable, play safety, play nickel, play corner. So the more guys you have like that, the better our defense will be back there. Did you guys jokingly give Kareem grief about not getting into the end zone the other day? Yeah, man, he had a big, wide open, gaping hole there. But you know, that's the National Football League for you. Them holes opening quick so fast, man. You know, you just try to get in there anytime you get your hands on it. And he made a great play. We had a couple guys getting the cavalry going, but you know, we got to work on our blocking for him next time. What about his abilities playing safety this off season, this preseason? Then he plays corner in the game and has a pick. That speaks volumes about him, man. Tough guy, man. Been with him for eight years. You know, anytime they've came to a guy to ask a guy to move, he's always been that guy with his safety nickel. Um, just been all over the place throughout his whole career. And I think um, it's hard to find guys like that. You know, you look back over the course of years, not many guys have been able to do it. Charles Woodson, Raw Woodson. Um, most guys just play one primary position, but he's a guy you can put in at multiple spots, so he has a lot of value to the team. J.J., you see the offense maturing. You see year two with Deshaun Watson. What are you looking at on that side of the football? Just the weapons we have, just um, – confidence those guys have from one year to the next you know um, I think that says a lot about the way they're being coached the way they take the practice field 
and execute. So, you know, um, it's a blessing for me to be part of this team to have an offense like that, man. Uh, any times they hit the field, they have a chance to just strike the band up and put up big-time points. So it's a blessing for me to be at this point in my career to be playing with offense like that. Well, I really like your perspective as a coach on the field. So what are you observing with special teams? How will they be different and better this year? Oh, man, I think speed, man. Speed and guys that just want to get down there and get after it. You know, guys that's physical, fast, and can run and can hit people and tackle and block. So I think anytime you have guys with that mentality and guys knowing their role, you're going to have a much improved unit. So hopefully so. Thanks a lot for joining us. No problem. Got you anytime. So uh, the Monday thing, you still want to do that or like every once in a while or what do you want to do? Um, Mondays would be cool because I think my son only have basketball, football on Wednesdays. We're going to keep with the defensive back theme, but we're going to go to safety and a rookie. I caught up with Justin Reed after practice as well. How's your first training camp preseason been? You know, it's crazy to think about. I was talking with some of the guys earlier about when I first showed up here for rookie camp and then I look back on it and that was four months ago. And it feels like it was such a long time ago, but at the same time, it feels like it went by so quickly. Yeah. You know, and we're already getting ready for our, the first game of the season. How does that feel? You've gone through three preseason games, and now you got New England on the horizon. How does that feel to be preparing for New England? And all of a sudden, you look up on the screen, and there's number 12. I'm sure a guy that you probably watched as you were growing up, Tom Brady, that you are now getting ready to play. How does that feel? Sort of surreal, fun, exciting? Yeah, all you, can't, you can't overstate the value of these preseason games, especially for a rookie like me, to really get in and be able to get on the field and play a live game and get really comfortable in the system that yeah. we run here. That, uh, that experience on the field has been invaluable, invaluable for me, and I've, been really, I've really been able to settle down and feel comfortable in the system and get to know the guys and learn what guys do what, what, what are our strengths, what are our weaknesses in this, that, and other. On, uh, on the flip side of that and preparing for New England, I mean, it's like you said, Tom Brady's been in the league since I was a little kid, and it's, it's wild to me to think that my first real game in the NFL, I get to go up against him. So that's something surreal for me to think about. The other guy that I really hope I get to go against one day is uh, Larry Fitzgerald from the Cardinals because he's another guy that's I've looked up to whenever I was a little kid. But Tom Brady, that's something that's going to be an incredible experience for me, especially getting up to go up and play in Foxborough. Justin, the communication that you guys have to have in the secondary, you hear people talk about it, but as a rookie, how valuable is that, the communication, especially amongst the secondary? You guys are a pretty tight group, but just the communication, how important is that from play to play for everybody to be on the same page and for the communication to be Huge on point? Huge and valuable. You know, it's always said whenever the secondary makes mistakes, then it's six points because we're the last line of defense, and if things go over the top of our heads or we leave a guy uncovered, typically those are the big plays of the game. You know, so one of the most important things that we do is communicate to each other so that we're all on the same page. We know who has who, who's dropping to where, so that way we get everything covered up. How much assurance do you get being back there with a guy like Tyron Matthew that has been around, played with your brother back in college? How much assurance do you get with some veterans like him, like Jonathan Joseph, like Kareem Jackson that you have back there? You kind of lean on them a little bit if you're not quite sure you got yeah, them to rely all on. All those guys, they have their they have veteran experience. They've been in the league for years, and they always show me new things, new tips to look at, new ways just to play uh, half a second faster by just taking my eyes to maybe this person instead of that person on a play to get a faster read. So those guys with the experience that they've learned throughout their trip, they've been passing that knowledge on to me to make me a better player as well. Okay, I got to ask this because I'm a big college guy. How are the Cardinal going to do this year? The Cardinal, they're loaded. Talent-wise, skill-wise, they are loaded. And it's going to be real exciting to see.
They're missing number eight, though. Now you're 38, but you were number eight. But they're missing you, though. Yeah, but those guys, they'll be fine. And some of the young bucks coming up, like Malik Antoine, he just moved over to the safety position. And he was like my little protege whenever I was still there. And I'm expecting big things out of him in the whole secondary with Frank, Ben, all those guys, Boogie Simmons, all those guys, man. Running back's pretty good, too. Justin, appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And we cannot finish up this segment without a little bit of Drew's Dirty Dozen. He caught up with Ryan Griffin at the end of last week. Here's the Dirty Dozen with Ryan Griffin. Time to do Dirty Dozen questions. We start things off with your best football trait. What is it? Oh, my versatility, I would say. Uh, You know, I I have a chance to line up a, a lot of different positions, and, you know, I take pride in that. What's been your most improved football trait this offseason? I would say my footwork. You know, I've really been dialed in on, you know, my steps and muscle memory and how to block, you know, a nine technique to a six technique. So I'd say my footwork. Which of your teammates talks the most trash? I like when Hop gets going. You know, it's not very often, but when Hop gets going, it seems like, you know, our offense is moving at a, a quicker pace. So I like when Hop's talking. And, I mean, I can't hear some of that stuff, but seeing it, you, you can tell when it is happening. And it looks like there's a fury behind it, right? Sure. I, I don't think Hop's one to start talking, but if someone talks to him, then, you know, it gets ratcheted up a little bit. So uh, it's, it's a lot of fun out there. Who's your most underrated teammate? My most underrated teammate, probably Shane Leckler. This guy's day in, day out, comes in here and works like he's a rookie, even though it's year 19 for him. So really uh, happy he's on my team and very underappreciated. Which teammate gets you the most amped up? It definitely was Brian Cushing. So I, I'm still looking for the guy right now. Uh, Cush was the guy last year and, you know, the previous years. But uh, I'm still looking for that guy right now. All right, to be determined, who calms you down the most? Which teammate does that? D. Watt, for sure. Uh, Deshaun's out there. He's so laser-focused, you can't help but just to get locked in with him. And, uh, you know, when he's running things, you listen to what he's saying. What's your perfect breakfast? Probably pregame meal. I just have my omelet, have a little Western, ham, uh, some peppers and mushrooms, and, you know, get to work. All-time favorite NFL player who is retired? Who's retired? Uh, maybe Ben Coates. How about Ben Coates or Drew Bledsoe? All those old, old Patriots. I was a big Pats fan back in the day. Ty Law, Laurie Malloy, Willie McGinnis. I mean, you, you name it. All those old Pats are probably my favorite players. For those of you who don't know, Ryan grew up in Londonderry, New Hampshire. So that was your local team. You didn't grow up down here and root for the Pats. No, I I was a fan of Steve McNair. I know he was an oiler, and so a lot of different guys. But, yeah, the, the Pats were my favorite for sure. If you could talk with any animal on earth and have that ability or be able to speak any human language, which would you choose? Oh, I'd probably take Mandarin, Chinese, just because of the Chinese. No, I'm saying, like, every language. You could speak every language on earth. Yeah, hell yeah. I'll take I'll take that over speaking to some animal. What do they got to say? I mean, I already we know everything there is to know about animals. They don't even know anything about themselves. Like, we know. So I'll take the every human language. Thanks, Ryan Griffin. Right. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Drew. When we return, a little Andre Ware and Spencer Tillman. They'll give us their thoughts on the 53-man roster. Mark and I opined on it earlier. What did they have to say? We'll have that for you next on Texans All Access. One final segment of Texans All Access on this wonderful Monday evening from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, your host. 
We'll kick off this segment with our good friend, game analyst Andre Ware. Okay, so Andre, uh, wide receiver, we were just discussing the situation. We've got, obviously, Hopkins, Fuller, Kiki QT, and Ellington, Coates, and then in Miller, Wea, you've got Vincent Smith. you got a lot of guys to consider here. What do you make of the wide receiver group? I think it actually boils down. I think it's six, but I think it boils down to Wea, Smith, and Coates, and who the coaches feel uh, are they're the most comfortable with. I mean, you've got a couple of young guys. You've got a guy, veteran guy that, that can actually uh, return kicks for you and Coates in a pinch. So I think it's, uh, it's those three for really one, one spot. Andre, the running back position, and I say running back, because the guy I'm about to ask you about isn't really technically a running back, but he's been around here since 2014, and it feels like each and every year we talk about keeping a fullback. Well, if you've got to do short yardage stuff, but we've seen Bill O'Brien, especially in, uh, in the game against San Francisco, spread the team out once you got yeah. to the goal line, not use a fullback. Do you think Jay Prosh still has a spot on this ball club? Oh boy, that's a great question, Johnny. When you you start to look at uh, you know other things, and I know Jay has been a, an excellent special teams player for a while, but then you've got a couple of guys that say Joe Webb, and yeah. uh, whether or not you keep him as a special teams player, that's a spot. Chris Thompson was a uh, just a kind of a special teams player a year ago, and that's really been. Jay's forte and his roster spot on this team has really been through special teams. There are a whole lot of short yardage situations where they're going to the fullback. They they do some of that. Now, I know he likes to be versatile on offense, and from week to week the game plan changes. They don't want to show the same thing in consecutive weeks. So then there's a fullback involved, but it's only like maybe a play or two, and then he's regulated back to special teams. So, that, that's a t- that's that's going to be a tough roster spot. I know they like him. I know they like the way he blocks as a lead blocker, but it's just going to be hard justifying that spot with the limited amount of, of, of what they ask him or what they get out of him. All right, Andre, I want to tell you and Johnny, I think I told you guys off the air, but my quarterback idea and see what you think of it, okay? Because I'm going to keep Joe Webb, and I'm going to keep Brandon Whedon. Now, unless somebody amazing gets released, but that's not going to happen. So... On game day, on my 46, I deactivate Whedon, and I have Joe Webb playing special teams, and he's my backup quarterback because if, God forbid, something happened to Deshaun, I can get through the day with Joe Webb. Now, if I have to start two or three games, I'm going to start Brandon Whedon. I get it. But in a given afternoon, I'll take my chances and bring Joe Webb in at quarterback if I have to to kind of fake my way through that game and let him run around and make plays and be jolting Joe Webb. What do you make of that kind of thinking? I don't really even think you have to fake your way through it. I think I think Joe's a comparable backup that can can get things done in a pinch to to close out a game where you don't really have to go away from what you do offensively. Now, maybe the problem with that is who do you give the reps to during the week? Because uh, in case that situation happens, and I'll shoot holes in it. As as I told you before, what if what if Joe gets hurt playing special teams? And then something happens to to Deshaun in the game. I so cannot then, live in you know, fear. Where, where, <laughs> where are you at that point? But I, I, I like I like the idea. I do like it. Uh, I think I happen to think Joe's going to make the team. You know that it may be maybe I'm crazy, but I like what he's done on special teams. I actually pointed out 
to Johnny off the air on a couple of occasions, the blocks that he's thrown, guys can't release and get past him uh, and, and cover on, on punt returns because he's so big and he's so strong that he just holds guys up and they're frustrated. And his athletic ability allows him to do that too. So at 6'4", 230, he's almost the perfect uh, prototypical special teams guy uh, that you can use in a variety of ways. And, and uh, you just don't get that athletic as, at a lot of spots on special teams when that's been certainly uh, an area that needs to be improved. Hey, when was the last time you played special teams? Because <laughs> you're, you're around 6'3", uh, 230. <laughs> uh, pro- probably uh, my first week or so on campus at U of H, and then it was, uh, then it was all quarterback after that. But, uh, yeah, I, I actually – and I was, I was Joe Webb. That My nickname at, at the University of Houston when I first got there – was Mr. Versatility. I played running back, I played slot receiver, and then I, I uh, played on special teams until they got smart and moved me to quarterback. <laughs> they got smart. And, and that was, that, all, that, all that was in, in conjunction with playing quarterback. So I was, then I became a full-time quarterback, and the, the, that was, you know, the, the story is what it is. Well, slash player turned Heisman. I think it turned out pretty well for you, Dre. There's no question about that. Dre, defensively, we found out this morning the Texans – signed Kayvon Webster, corner who had spent some time in Denver than last year's with the Rams, but he ruptured his Achilles in December, and we've seen Richard Sherman get back. We've seen Deontay Foreman still on pup. We don't know where Webster is, but signing a corner at this point, Kevin Johnson's still in the concussion protocol. Aaron Colvin didn't play the other day. Kareem had to bump out with the first group and play corner a little bit. Signing a guy like Webster, it feels like it's a no-lose situation, even if he's not quite ready to go in week one. What do you think about the secondary, the way it's come together, and adding a guy like Webster? Well, I, I think they're protecting themselves in case uh, you get to week one and, and then all of a sudden you need, you need some help. Uh, they know him. They've, they've worked out against him you know, with uh, the Texans uh, in joint practices with the Broncos o- over time. They've, they've seen him. Uh, with today, the way – Guys heal up today. I would expect them to be back. Otherwise, I don't think they would have taken a flyer on uh, on him. So I, I think when you look at what's gone on behind J. Joe and Kevin Johnson and and uh, Kareem and the other corners, uh, Aaron Colvin, I throw his name in there. There, there needs to be uh, somewhat of an upgrade. They're waiting on one of these young corners to come around. It just hasn't happened. Uh, throughout the preseason, so now you got to protect yourself, and you go out and you get a veteran in case something happens. And, and uh, I, I look for him to contribute uh, in some way, shape, or form relatively early. Andre, what about the offensive reps this preseason? You feel like they got enough? You feel like you're comfortable? I mean, that's probably not a great word going into New England, but how are you feeling about that side of the football going into the opener? Yeah, I just believe, you know, especially offensively, you just need to have some continuity. You guys need to be on the field in a game-time situation. You can't simulate it in practice and then turn it up on game day. Now, with that, there's some gray area because you're trying to not totally understand it. Uh, You're trying to protect against injury. I think it may be a slow start to the season for everybody across the board on offense. And, it, mm-hmm. and it's usually that way to start a season because defenses are built faster. It's, you know, seek and destroy and that kind of deal. And you can play reckless and, and just go get after people. Whereas as an offense, you got to work like hands in a glove. 
and uh, all yeah. fingers working together to, to get something going. So you look at the Rams, for instance, sitting out their, their uh, skill position players. Uh, that, that's not hard to just – I mean, it is hard to just jump in and all of a sudden have the same production that you had a year ago. It's almost impossible. So I look for across the, the board, not just the Texans, but everybody, because everybody seems to be doing it, with the exception of maybe San Francisco, um, not playing their their skilled position players. And it's I think it's going to be a low productive first couple of weeks because of it. There he is, our good friend and game analyst, Andre Ware. For preseason TV, well, there's one more left. I mean, Spencer Tillman will have you covered one final time on Thursday night. He talked about the punter situation. Yeah, the punter situation with Mark and I this morning. Spencer, we're talking about the punter situation. I know we don't normally begin with this kind of you know, micro topic, but Trevor Daniel has punted very well for this team, and there's a lot of talk about him possibly being the guy, and maybe you move on from Shane Leckler. What do you make of all that, Spencer, as they've got that tough call to make along with a bunch of other tough calls? Well, every coach knows that there's an inflection point, and it's sometimes that's hidden and it's not obvious, but there are always a lot of indicators as to when the time is to do that. And obviously, if you're 40-plus, 41-plus, man, you got to start thinking, um, pulling that trigger at some point in time if you're Bill O'Brien. So, uh, listen, I'm not saying that the time is now. They don't pay me enough money to make that decision. But what I can tell you is Trevor has, has performed at an exceptional level, and you have to evaluate like you do at every position. What is the long-term upside from this? Or how are we situated from an offensive standpoint? Can we see ourselves in close battles where it may field position may be one way that we try to win games? Or what, you know, The context is going to determine what you do. I think that Trevor has acquitted himself well. I think that he deserves it right now. If you're looking purely – if you're doing a blind audition – and you're making the decision right now, I think you pull the trigger. And I know that's not a popular thing to mm. say from sure Hall of Famer. I know it's not. But, man, at some point, somebody has to make that decision. Spencer, what do you do with Jay Prosh? With considering the roster that we're looking at, knowing how difficult the numbers 50 through 53 are going to be on this team, what do you do with Jay Prosh? Do you keep him considering what they've done offensively with Deshaun? How do you look at Jay Prosh going forward? Listen, I'm partial to Jay Prosh. I really like him a lot. And I would say this, until I can find me another back that's not named Lamar Miller that can pass protect, I don't get rid of Jay Prosh. Mm. I, just, I just don't see it. I was looking at one particular play where, you know, Troy Maine was coming over to help, and it was a completed pass. It was a, ended up being a touchdown, but it was a net, you know what, close to being a sack on the quarterback where he got kind of – not parallel to the line of scrimmage, but sideways, almost rolled up Kendall Lamb. And it's one of those deals where a young guy has got to be able to front that guy up and stone him in the, in the hole. And he would have done that if the linebacker didn't have a running start and got toward main kind of turned sideways. Now, Brandon was able to get the ball out, but it could have easily gone the opposite direction, and we're having a totally different conversation about that. So back to your question, I think until I'm sure that I'm going to be able to protect my quarterback, remember now who's back there. If it right. is Wheaton that's in the game, you got to protect him. So I'm, I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about the totes and the carries, despite that you got a kind of a new, up-ramped, lighter version of uh, Lamar Miller. That's great, but you, you need somebody else that can help protect the quarterback. So I would keep him. Uh, I think that that's going to be an easy call for me if I'm Bill O'Brien. Spencer, Martinez Rankin plays tackle and guard. Kendall Lamb is grading out well, according to Pro Football Focus. So what do you make of the offensive line tackle situation right now? 
Well, you know, I think the tackle situation is in a good position. I, I think um, Julian is going to do a fantastic job. He's got that kind of sewed down over there. Uh, Centrell kind of, you know, is, I'm concerned a little bit, uh, but I, I think he's going to be fine. He's got a nasty situation he's got to deal with. But the bottom line is, guys, um, obviously they think they can manage it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have signed him. Um, you know, you, 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 uh, when a guy's ailing in that, that way, it's, it's a nasty thing to have to deal with, but he, he's going to be fine. So I think the tackle situation is in a good spot. Uh, the flexibility, because you've got so much athleticism up there, uh, I think is, is going to be an asset for the team to tackle. Spencer, defensively, the first group plays eight plays. Gave up, well, I don't even know if you gave up. They held them to negative one yards and turned yeah. in an interception. And it's something we haven't really talked about, Spencer. I know that interception was against Sean Mannion. I get that. But for a team that was one of the worst teams last year in turning teams over, how valuable was it for that first group to go out there and get a turnover with their three series? Well, it was absolutely huge. As a matter of fact, if you want to use that by comparison, alternately, I think the Rams may have been like ninth in turnover margin. They were plus seven. So they were what they were in large part because of the opportunities they created for their, their vaunted offense. And they're gonna, that offense is going to continue to get better for the Rams when they get all their pieces in there. We certainly know that they were playing with the second-line players. So the, sa- the same kind of comparison applies on the defenses. An offense that we can extrapolate is going to be pretty darn good with the, for the Texans when they get all their pieces in there. There's no way you can't have a reasonable expectation, it's particularly as close and backed up as they were to the opponent's end zone when that occurred. And we know the ridiculous statistic about when, you know, OB's got a lead at halftime. It's like, what, 21-1 and one or whatever when the Texans going with the lead at halftime? Uh, that, that's something that if you can play with the lead, with the type of history that we have of protecting leads, I think it's going to be a very, very difficult situation for teams to come back and beat the Texans, given the offensive firepower and an affinity and a characteristic trait of being able to turn people over. That combination is absolutely lethal. And even though we're in this wide-open spread era where where points are scored relatively quickly and the rules are certainly lending themselves to more scoring, it's going to be tough if you can combat that with a lethal offense and then a turnover machine on the defensive side of the ball. That combination is going to be a a very important one. Spencer, we were talking about it. Um, defensively, they have to get off to a good start. And, you know, Andre and we were t- discussing this part of it. The offense hasn't played much together in the preseason, and this is really league-wide. Most of the offenses, most of the starters have not played much in the preseason. It might take a little while to get the offense cranked up for any team, really. And what are your ta- what are your thoughts on that as you go into the first part of the regular season, anyway, the first few weeks? Mark- Mark, I think you're absolutely right, and I think you're hitting on something that fans need to be patient with. Despite the fact that Deshaun is back and everybody's been coalescing around the idea of what it's going to be like when he, his knee is healthy, that's already a, a done deal. But because this is a multiple offensive scheme and because there are so many different ways that they can score, we haven't even heard from the star in the last two weeks that defined the first game, for example. There are opportunities there to hit people who may not play a role. It, this team kind of reminds me, and obviously I'm comparing old stages, but I'm talking about the overall philosophy. It reminds me of the old 49er teams that I used to play on where one year Tom Rathman had like 800 yards receiving. That's crazy. That's your fullback. But, but it, it can happen, man. It can happen because you feature guys depending on what defenses are trying to do to you for that given year. And so if, you, if you've got one guy that you can build some things around, you may not even see that guy, but you can trust him. You, I'm, look, I'm going to need you in week nine, week eight. 
and he's got to be content with that. The Texans have so many opportunities to score that it may the execution may not be there uh, the way you want it to be there because reps are going to be limited, to, particularly once they start firing real bullets. So I think you raise a significant point that I think people need to be aware of and be patient with. Will they ultimately get to where they need to be where they're consistent and then that dangerous step? Absolutely, they're going to be there. But it may take them a little bit of while. A huge thanks to Spencer, to Andre, to Mark, to J. Joe, to Justin Reed, to Ryan Griffin, to Drew Doherty. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans.